0: And so we're continuing our journey. Um, that's the wrong slide. That's not the first slide. He just gave it. It's over. He just gave it all. <laughs> that's it. Message is done. <laughs> so um, we're journeying with Moses. You've seen that. We're, we're going through Exodus. We're journeying with Moses and the Israelites And uh, so we're coming to our passage today is actually Exodus 14. We're not going to look at 15. 15 is connected to 14, but we don't have time this evening to do that. Uh, But we are looking at chapter 14 of Exodus. And so let's just open with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for this evening. We thank you for this opportunity to journey together in your word And we know that how you move powerfully, Lord, in the book of Exodus, and it's exciting to read. Help us to realize tonight that the same God that moved there is the same God that's here this evening with us. And so you are worthy of our praise. Uh, You are worthy of our obedience. You are worthy for us to glean and learn and apply your word tonight. And so, God, I pray that you would help us together together as I try to, in my feebleness, to bring forth your word and as we try after a long, beautiful day to listen and stay attentive to the move of your Holy Spirit and what you would want to say to each one of us individually today and also what you would want to say to us as we heard this morning corporately. So God, do that work that only you can do through the body of Christ here in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. And so, you know, we're looking at dead ends. Um, There's not a whole lot of them here on the island, but I know Hamilton, the city of Hamilton has a lot of dead ends. I have found a few of them. (laughs) Uh, We have had times, we found a couple in Summerside, uh, you know, especially when they don't give you a warning and you drive down quite a road and then all of a sudden there it is and you have to turn around and go back. Now, on the island, there's probably a lot of dead ends because a lot of them end right at the ocean. (laughs) And there's not a lot of places you can go with a car. Um, so there's the reality of that. So, you know, there comes this point in our lives where, you know, there, there, we come to a dead end and then the only thing you can do is turn around and go back. But in our passage tonight, what we're going to see is Israel is at a very much a dead end, but there's no turning back. There's no turning around. And, you know, I was thinking of that, that sometimes we can feel like our back is up against a wall. We're, we're almost at an impossible situation. We get to a place, I don't know if you've ever had it, we have had it, where it's just like you get bad news after bad news after bad news, no matter what you're trying to do, you just can't seem to turn it around. It just doesn't seem to be working for you. And we've prayed with families here in the church that it just, it's like you just say, Lord, again, something again they're going through? I don't understand it. And so there's times in our lives where we can really feel like our backs are up against the wall. There's nowhere for us to go. So tonight in this passage in Exodus 14, we're looking at God's promises in light of our dead ends. In light of our dead ends, where we seem and feel trapped You know, what is God's promises? And so we're going to be looking at these, and we'll be looking at the Scripture as we go along, because it is quite a bit of Scripture tonight. And so the first point tonight is, could it be that our dead ends could be by God's design? Now there's a ethical question that we don't really like even where that's going, Right, that just irks me as soon as I even say it, right? We don't like to hear that. Um, The scripture is the first verses, one to nine. Now those at the back probably can't see this, but then you should sit up. He says, I should make two slides. Uh, Then the Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp near P, big word, (laughs) higher higher off, between Midgal and the sea, They are to encamp by the sea directly opposite of Baal-Zephon. Pharaoh will think the Israelites are wandering around the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them, but I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. And so the Israelites did this. And when the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them and said, what have we done? We have let the Israelites go and have lost their services. So he had his chariot made ready and took his army with him. And he took 600 of his best chariots along with all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, so that he pursued the Israelites who were marching out boldly. And the Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, horsemen and troops, Pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they camped by the sea near p Harioth. Anyway, opposite of Baal Zephon. It's a place. We leave that with the Lord. So what we see right now at this point Israel is camped right up against the sea. And uh, they're like sitting ducks. They look like just sitting ducks. And how did they get there? Scripture tells us that God put them there. That's a hard statement. That God directed them there. But why did he direct them there? We can see in verses three to four, he makes it known, but I will gain glory for myself. That God has allowed them to get into a difficult situation that God's name can be glorified. I had to think about that. He knew that Pharaoh would conclude that they were trapped and confused. When Pharaoh would come after these easy targets, God would accomplish the goal that he was trying to set there by destroying the power of Pharaoh and his powerful army in one final last blow. Why? So God would be glorified. See, Pharaoh had admitted defeat when he let Israel go. But in no way had he admitted that God was God at that point. He just let them go. But he didn't admit who God was. He didn't bow the knee to God. We don't read anywhere there. You know, there's this power struggle still going on about who is all-powerful. And Pharaoh thought he had the mightiest empire at that time. And he was all-powerful. And God is about to show him that it's different. That God is all-powerful. And so this dead end was by God's design. This struggle that Israel is going through is by God's design in order that God might be glorified in and through that situation. Now what would that say to us this evening? That there are no mistakes with God. God knows what he is doing and why he's doing it. And could it be, here it is, that when we are facing difficulties and our backs are up against the wall, that God might want to take and use that opportunity to glorify his name in that situation. I know often when we pray for people, one of the things that God always puts on my heart is, is about prayer moving into what we call intercession. And, and it's easy to pray for those that we love. It's easy to pray for those that are hurting, the, those that are needing a miracle, those that need a touch, physical touch. It's easy for us to pray for our grandchildren and children that are lost and to feel our hearts ache for their souls. But there's something very spiritual, the Holy Spirit led, when we begin to weep, and I've shared this before, when we begin to weep for strangers, people we've never met, uh, souls that we have no connection with, that's the Lord putting that on us. But one thing I find myself praying, and, and I find it's changed my prayers, is I ask God to build a platform for his glory in this situation because it's no longer about my feelings or what I think God should do. <laughs> Though we do pray for all of those things. What I'm asking is God would glorify his name. And as God glorifies his name, he draws people to himself. People get saved. We know that Jesus said, when I am lifted up on high, he would draw all men to himself. We know he was referring to the cross, but this aspect that God wants to be glorified. And so for us to be praying, Lord, i am got my back up against the wall. I don't know what's going on, but nevertheless, God, may you be exalted and glorified in this situation. That is my desire. That is my prayer. And so they concluded, Israel concluded in the midst of having their back against the wall, it was better to suffer as slaves in Egypt. We'll hear that over and over again in weeks ahead too. Israel forgot that they were standing where they were standing in freedom and liberty only because of what God had done. It's almost like they had a choice in the matter, you know, and like, oh, well, we should have just stayed in Egypt. And it's kind of like ironic that you're only there because God set you free. You're not there at your own volition You didn't do anything to deserve this. God set you free and you're in this situation. And so we'll see the scripture here, verses 10 to 12. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to this desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in this desert. How did we get to this God-forsaken place? Have you ever said that or felt that? I've heard people say it. Oh, this is (laughs) God-forsaken. How did I end up here? And, you know, we, we kind of do that, and we're wondering what's happening, what's going on. It was God's mighty, that mightiness and wonders that brought them out of Israel, Israel out of Egypt. And uh, think about it. God brought them out of the most powerful civilization of the world at that time. That's where they were set free from. And he brought that country to their knees. And we, we already know that when they left that even the plunder, it's like they plundered them. It's like they left as an army because the Egyptians were giving them stuff to take. It was a battle that they never fought, but they got to have the plunder. And so there is this blessing that God was doing. And God now that has done all of this, all that we've read about the plagues, now this God is going to desert them in the desert. No, he's not. If God has done all of that, He's definitely not going to desert them now, right? And so you know what the key is for us when we're going through things? I love the scripture from Deuteronomy. Remember the Lord your God. He is the one who gives you power to be successful. Don't forget God. The enemy will come in our darkest days and the most difficult days and want us to forget all that God has done for us. And I think some of you here have been here for a while and you can look over your life and say, wow, God did this, and God did that, and God did this, and God did that, and God did this, and God did that. That's why scripture says, remember, remember the Lord, remember what God has done. Because that is what helps us in those times where we feel like our back is up against the wall. Um, oh, it would have been better if I had only, what's that statement in your life? I remember there were times as an early new believer, I had moments where I thought, well, it would have been better if I just remained not a believer, when things got difficult. Uh, I, I just thought, well, you know, like, like I, I, I used to struggle with the, with the whole, I'm being honest tonight, partying, being out with my friends, sitting home alone, and I used to be out, but that's the enemy that tells you the lies, because you, forg- you soon remember all that went with that par- lifestyle. See, that's the enemy doing all that kind of stuff. So, you know, we really need to pray for young believers because it's easy for the enemy to use that lie that he used on Israel. It would have been better if only, blank, if I just, this happened or that happened or I never said yes to God or I didn't get involved with this ministry or if I just stayed back and did nothing, then I wouldn't have these issues right now. It's so easy for us to fall into that trap. So I want to challenge you tonight that if you believe that God has gotten hold of your life through Jesus Christ and God has worked in various ways to guide you and sustain you, that he has helped you, how would he abandon you now? There's no way. Why would God bring you all this way out of darkness into his glorious light, all this way from slavery to sin to glorious freedom? to let you die at this dead end of darkness and slavery. That's not the God that we serve. And so dead ends can really shake us, but our dead ends should remind us that only God is our savior. And maybe that's another thing, that God wants to glorify his name, and maybe God wants to remind us by bringing us to a place where our back is up against the wall that he is our savior and not us getting smaller back there moses answered the people do not be afraid stand firm and you will see the deliverance the lord will bring to you today the egyptians you see today you will never see again and the lord will fight for you you need only to be still then the lord said to moses why are you crying out to me tell the israelites to move on raise your staff and stretch out your hand Over the sea to divide the waters, so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, so that they will go in after them, and I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. Then the angel of God, who had been traveling in front of Israel's army, withdrew and went behind them and the pillar of cloud also moved uh, from in front and stood behind them coming between the armies of egypt and israel and throughout the night the cloud brought darkness to the one side and light to the other so neither went near the other all night long moses didn't say well let's have a meeting I have a mug at home. I should bring it. I was gonna use it in board meeting one night. Oh God, not another meeting. (laughs) Somebody bought it. Actually bought it down here when I came to ladies' retreat years ago at the Crystal, whatever that was over in Moncton. And the ladies that drove down with me from the church in Oakville bought me the mug as a gift. Uh, And I have it down in my little craft room office and it reminds me every once in a while, oh God, not another meeting. But you know, Moses didn't say, well, let's have a meeting and let's figure this out how we're going to solve this issue and this problem. (laughs) We don't see that here. God was reminding them that he alone was the one that was going to save them. He had saved them from slavery and he was going to save them now. If they would just stop grumbling and complaining if they would just stop grumbling and complaining to say it the third time if they would just stop grumbling and complaining we find ourselves with the back against the wall we forget about god we forget about everything he's done for us we feel god forsaken in a god forsaken place and then we start murmur, 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 grumble, grumble, grumble. That's your next week. We're not going to spend a lot of time on that. And, uh, you know, and, and we just, we just, you know, we just, we just lose our witness. That's what this is about here, people. We're talking about God's name being glorified. And so when we've got our back against the wall, it's the time that God wants to see our faith. And, of course, we can have concerns. But it is this grumbling and complaining that takes away that opportunity to share a witness to someone else about our faith. Because how was their faith to be evident? We know that their faith was to be evident in silence. God says, be silent and be still. So no more panic. No more jumping all over the place trying to figure out, grumbling and complaining. In silent confidence. That's how your faith is revealed in the midst of difficult days. And so God says to them that they are to be silent and stand firm. And then he says to Moses, which is kind of ironic, he says, what are you doing there? Get out, get moving. Now they're up against the water and they're told to get moving. We're move where? I can see. I think, I th- I think often we feel like that when God is telling us, well, go out and do something. And you're like, well, what can I do? I'm in a difficult situation. And so he says to Moses, raise your staff and stretch forth your hand. And I love this verse. This is so powerful for me. Then the angel of God who had been traveling in front of Israel's army withdrew and went behind them and the pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them. We talk about God being our rear guard. That's what this is about. So this this angel of God that is leading them out, leading them out of slavery, leading them out to where God would have them, this pillar of cloud, which is the presence of God, that's what the pillar is, the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire in the evening. Actually, it says later on that God looked down from the pillar and saw Pharaoh's army. So it tells us that God is in the pillar. And so this pillar of cloud and this angel that is leading them out, when the enemy comes to attack, where is it? They move from that position of leadership in behind, between Israel and the enemy. I thought, wow, God. So in those times in my life, when I am under attack, you move and stand between me and the enemy. Well, we know Christ has done that for us. He is our victor, right? We say Christ, the victor, has stood before us, between us, and even now in prayer, he is our intercessor that stands between us. We know that even, even when God calls in the enemy uh, in the book of Job, he's got to come and give account to God. God is not this one that has his hands tied. God is in control, even when it doesn't look like it. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. And so I love this. This really encourages me that in times of difficulty, in times when the enemy seems to be coming at our heels, God moves out of that position of leadership and comes in to be our rear guard, our rear flank to protect us. And so the story tells us that as the waters are being parted throughout the evening, God is standing between Israel and the Egyptian army and holding them back. See, there's a time when we pray, but then there's also a time when we must obey. As God said to Moses and Israel, it's time to go and step out. <clears throat> And there's a time when we step out and we don't trust ourselves anymore and we don't trust our leaders. There's nowhere here that it says that they really trusted Moses at this point. They had to trust God. Leaders are important. But there comes a point for some of us, all we've got is God. And that's enough. We need to trust God. And dead ends reveal to us God's power to inspire our our, uh, faith. 21 to 31. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back, with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land and the waters were divided. And the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and one on their left. And the Egyptians pursued them and all of Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. And during the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and the cloud at the Egyptian army and threw it into confusion. He jammed up the wheels of their their chariots so that they had difficulty driving and the egyptians said let's get away from the israelites and the lord is fighting for them against egypt and then the lord said to moses stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may flow back over the egyptians and their chariots and horsemen and moses stretched out his hand over the sea <clears throat> and at daybreak the sea went back to its place and the egyptians were fleeing toward it And the Lord swept them into the sea, and the water flowed back and covered the chariots and the horsemen, the entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea. Not one of them survived. But the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. And that day the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. (coughs) Here's the beauty of this passage. What they thought was a dead end wasn't a dead end at all. I thought that's powerful. What they thought was a dead end, what they thought was impossible, what they thought was their ruin, was the very thing that God made a way for them through. And So could it be sometimes when we feel like our backs are up against the wall, we've found this to be true, what we think is a dead end, all of a sudden God does something that we didn't even expect and we're able to walk through the situation. And you know what verse 21 tells us? Verse 21 tells us that they walked across on dry land. Not even good PEI red mud. Of course, the first thing I'm thinking, no need for green boots. Dry land. Licked it up that it's dry. They're walking across on dry land. And I mean, God revealed to them his ultimate power. You know, he made that promise that these Egyptians you know, that powerful promise, the Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. You know, that also encourages me. The Lord says, I will fight for you. You only need to be still. And do you know what that says to me? That sometimes there's enemies in our lives, spiritual enemies and things going on, that the Lord can deal with them and we would never, ever have to deal with them again. Never see them again. Well, we've always got new challenges. But some of those victories that we can win, such a victory, it's when you see somebody so under the power of alcoholism and they come to Christ and they're set free, they never have to deal with alcoholism again. I've often shared about being suicidal and all those things that I went through, and I have never, I've had my blue times, I've had my difficult times, but that has never crossed my mind ever again because God has dealt with it. It's not never to rear its ugly head again. And so there are times when God will just do His amazing work, that 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 promise is so amazing to me that you will never see them again. That enemy that's been at your heels, you will never see it again. And so be encouraged by that this evening. God wants to reveal to us also His incredible power this evening but we need to realize that he reveals his power usually in ways that we do not expect. Romans 8, 28, you know it, tells us, and we know that all things work together for good for those who love him and who have been called according to his purposes. Now, how did Israel respond? We're told at the end of this passage that they responded with fear and belief. Now, it's a different kind of fear isn't it? It is not this negative fear, this fear of the enemy, this fear of man. It is now replaced by this uh, positive, submissive fear of reverence and awe. And so now they trust God for a moment. (laughs) And they trust Moses for a moment, as we'll read as time goes on. But here's a powerful thing as we end this tonight. Didn't the early disciples look at the cross and think it was a dead end? Weren't the two on the road to Emmaus as they were walking felt that they were totally devastated, that it was over, that what they had thought was going to happen didn't happen, and the one that they had put their trust in was now nailed to a cruel tree, and death ultimately was the end, and they were all hopeless? We know the early disciples were all hidden up into a room because they were terrified of what was going to happen to them. They had come to an end, an impasse. Their backs were up against a wall. What do we do now? And so what's interesting for us, that God took the cross, and that which looked like a dead end, they had hoped for, but now they thought it was too late. God instead takes it and he pushes back the water of death and Jesus walked right through it. God made a way for us to walk right through death as well. Praise God. I love this quote that somebody said. Life after the dead ends. On the other side of our so-called dead ends, God calls us to obedience and service as his people. Having rescued us and revealed his power, he wants to use us to bring the same deliverance to others around us. He wants his name to be glorified. And the question is tonight, are you ready to live and speak in such a way this week that the God who is over every dead end, the God who can bring hope to your hopelessness, is also able to bring hope to other people's hopelessness. Would you live in such a way? Would you speak in such a way that you would make him known? We've been singing it, haven't we? The way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. He's our way maker. And if God is our way maker, then he will be the way maker for others that are around us. But we must be people of faith. We must be people who know what it is to stand silent, confidently, even in the midst of a very difficult, almost looks impossible situation. That God's name can be glorified. And that he can work miracles in our day, in this place, for his glory. Father, we thank you tonight for the story that you are indeed the way maker. I can't imagine what it was like for Israel to have their backs up against that sea and to see uh, the Egyptians coming towards them. And Lord, of course, the fear of man was there. But I thank you, Lord, that you brought them through. You made a way for them. When there seemed to be no way, as we've often sung about, God, is easy to sing about it, it's easy to read about it. It's another thing when we're going through it. Now, some of us, God, have been through it and are now on the other side. We give you praise and honor and glory. There might be some tonight that are facing what seems impassable. Something that seems to be right there. And God, if they are, I pray that this word has been an encouragement to them that you will indeed make a way. The same God that has got them here tonight through all that they've been going through is the same God that is going to make a way for them. And what greater way did you make than a way for all of us on, through the cross and in through the grave and up out of the grave and now at the right hand of the Father. And that you're even coming back for us. Oh God, there has been a way made. You are the way, the truth. And the life. We give you praise and glory, and if you've done all that for us, how much more are you going to help us in whatever situation we are in? I I pray, Lord, for us that maybe right now things are good, but I pray that you would give us the understanding and the wisdom that if we would face a difficult situation, this word would come back to us. This song that we've been singing over these weeks would come to us. We know the youth were singing it last night, that you are indeed the way maker. God, make a way where there seems to be no way. And we would give you all praise and honor and glory. Not that you would make our lives easy, but that you would glorify your name. Use us and use the Elmsdale Church of the Nazarene to build a platform for your glory right here. That all will see and know that you are God. Destroy our enemies that people would see and know that you are God, the God, the only true God. God, we need miracles in our day in order for people to see and to know. And we just pray that tonight for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Going to ask the worship team to come as we sing this song, God Will Make a Way.